back to the Nutanix Community Podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Luciani. We recently held a town hall event in which Michelle Taylor Smith, Senior Director of Channel Marketing, interviewed Diraj Pandey, founder, CEO, and chairman of Nutanix, and Julie O'Brien, VP of Corporate Marketing. This episode is slightly longer than our regular podcast, but I wanted you to hear the complete interview. Diraj and Julie share their views on the state of the data center infrastructure market, our evolution to the enterprise cloud, and talk about our Next 2016 conference in Las Vegas. I found a lot of good insights and a number of takeaways. I trust you'll find it interesting as well. So with that, let's join Michelle, Diraj, and Julie in conversation. Hello and welcome to our Nutanix Town Hall. My name is Michelle Taylor-Smith and I'm the Senior Director of Channel Marketing here at Nutanix and I'd like to welcome you today to our event. Um, We know your time is very valuable so we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Um, I'd like to introduce our guests. Um, We have Diraj Pandey who is our uh, founder, CEO and Chairman. So welcome Diraj. And we also have Julie O'Brien, who is our VP of Corporate Marketing. And uh, Julie's actually sitting in for Howard Ting. Unfortunately, Howard was unable to make it, but um, thank you very much for joining us, Julie. You're welcome. I'll do my best Howard impersonation. (laughs) Do it great. Uh, We're happy to have you here. So a couple of uh, quick things before we start. Um, as you know, when you registered, we ha- you had the opportunity to provide questions. So we'll be talking through the questions that we received. Um, we actually received over 800 questions and comments. So thank you very much for taking the time to do that. And we really appreciate hearing from you. Uh, if you have not had a chance to provide a question, um, you can do so still during the event. Um, and we are going to do our best to get through as many of them as possible. If we can't, uh, if we can't answer them during the event, then we'll reach out afterwards. And this is being recorded, so uh, if you have uh, missed something or you want to share it with coworkers, please feel free to do so. So that being said, I'm going to jump into questions because obviously we have a lot of questions mm-hmm. to start sure. with. So in those 800 questions, we had um, multiple, it was easy to kind of bucket them a little bit. And so the first bucket that we put them into was really with company. And the number one question around company is IPO. Um, and so I think, I think this one actually summed it up the best is what conditions in the market from a macro view will you need to proceed with the IPO and, and when do you anticipate that happening? Yeah, great question, by the way. But by the way, thanks everyone for being here. Um, and obviously, as as you mentioned about uh, people thinking about what IPO means, um, it's probably one of the big marketing events for this company. You know, uh, it's a launch of a new product called NTNX, which is the stock symbol, and uh, we're going and selling this new product um, in the marketplace. And uh, I think there's. You know, you're obviously negotiating all the time with the marketplaces, buyer's market and seller's market and buyer's market and seller's market, so it goes up and down all the time. And uh, till about, uh, I would say, October or so, it was a seller's market because you're selling a product and, you know, somebody was buying it, which is this stock ticker itself. Um, in the last six, eight weeks, it's been a little bit of a buyer's market, and, and I think it's just the way negotiations happen in the marketplace. Uh, we think that uh, we have a pretty good product. You know, in terms of... Um, we think so. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't just mean the technology product, no, or, or it's also the, the company, the <coughs> stock ticker, and so on. So we're just uh, waiting for uh, this market to actually become a little bit more pro-growth because, you know, they were running for the hills, you know, looking at buying gold and 
Microsoft mm. and GE and IBM. So they had a different uh, taste for the last eight weeks. And in the best part about Wall Street is that it's highly elastic. You know, the, mm. the faster it goes down, the faster it comes back up again. Now, macro is more about Main Street. You know, I always have this dichotomy in my head about Wall Street and Main Street, and these are two different things. You know, people tend to confuse the two. Uh, and, and when both of them stink is when 2008 happens. It's like a generational <laughs> depression, you know, kind of stuff, you know. Uh, and we all know that even when we had a generational depression, as in 2008-9, it took about six, eight months for the market to recover as well. This one, we definitely think that Main Street is still healthy, you know, given what we look at our business and so on. Uh, things are going well. I mean, and consumers still spending. Um, so there's no macro weakness that we see yet. Uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, Wall Street will recover uh, in the next uh, few weeks to a couple of months. And we'll actually then be able to go and sell the product um, in, in a marketplace that uh, people go and respect growth for, you know, because that's what we're really, uh, you know, aiming to do for the next three, five years. You know, there's so much of land grab here that uh, we could actually go and uh, make it look like uh, it's not about growth as much, or you can go and say, look, competition and mm -hmm. incumbents have to be won over. Um, and, uh, you know, people look at this as there's something wrong with the business. You know, very soon we'll actually see an update to the S1 itself. So I recommend all our channel partners go and look at our S12 in the coming uh, days to see how the business is really doing. So there's no room for speculation as such. I don't know if you yeah, want to add no, I think that's perfect. You know, um, you said that there's no kind of uh, exact window or time for for a company to present itself as a public offering. Like, there's always that window when it is a when it is a great company and when the product is sound and the whole company is sound behind yeah. it. So. And and uh, because we're not desperate for money, we're not really, you know, entering a twister, which is what yeah. it was in the yeah. last six weeks. Uh, knowingly, we would not enter a twister. Uh, or, uh, you know, Oklahoma-style hurricane or yeah. tornado or something, you know. If we didn't have the choice, then we probably would have been forced to go public right now. But because we've actually done well with respect to cash and so on, we think we'd rather wait it out and wait for a saner market where it makes it uh, more amenable to a company that actually has done as well as we have. It's more of a, a want to than a have to. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, it's interesting because when we talk internally, there's a lot of questions and comments about our culture. And I thought it was interesting that some of the questions came through um, externally. How do you think the IPO will change Nutanix? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is a very loaded question. Uh, <laughs> there's no easy answers. Uh, and just like life, you know, how, whether people's character changes over time or not, is about the strength of character. Like, you know, I was a very jovial kid when I was when I was a kid and I, and I was very naughty as well, you know. <laughs> and over time, at least, uh, even till today, a lot of people actually find it heartening to see me laugh. I mean, mm -hmm. I laugh out loud. And so a lot of things have you not do. changed about me. <laughs> uh, when I was six, I was used to laugh like this. When I'm 40, I laugh like this. Mm. And it's true for companies too, actually. You know, they have a certain DNA and depends on the strength of character. Uh, I mean, I was stubborn when I was six, and I'm stubborn <laughs> even now about how we need to go and take incumbents head on and so on. So about companies, that's also true that, you know, there is a certain thing about uh, what you believe in, whether it's about innovation, about taking the big companies head on. Those things hopefully wouldn't change, or they would. I mean, we've, mm -hmm. we've been tested to about 
you know, 1,600 plus employees in the company. Uh, we're not a perfect company, but we've been able to take it through. I used to talk about culture or, or f con have concerns about culture in 100 people. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we do this mm -hmm. when you're 200 people and 400 people? I joined at 150, and I remember yeah. the car like, oh, we're 150. How are we gonna How are we gonna maintain this culture? We're but it's great so that we're so focused on that. Yeah. I think that's that's very telling in terms of how the company yeah. will also evolve. And I think for as long as we continue to innovate, you know, not just the product side, but mm -hmm. even reach out and communication wise. Mm -hmm. Like today, uh, our reach out with the channel is on Slack. Mm -hmm. And that's scaling us really well. Mm. I mean, you know, I'm in touch with a lot of uh, partner SEs and reps on Slack now. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a uh, very prolific uh, NTC channel where we're able to actually look at uh, our issues. Because what happens when you grow is that the attention to detail shrinks. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not you're just flying high up here based on numbers. When all you need to worry about was individual concerns of employees and customers and product issues and so on. And, uh, you know, having a pulse on the ground, you know, having a pulse mm -hmm. of people, having a pulse of the details is what is required to stay honest, humble, and hungry, which are the mm -hmm. three things that we actually really vie for, you know. Uh, so keeping our ears to the ground and knowing the pulse of the marketplace, you know, for anything, packaging, pricing, friction, technology issues, product issues, lack of innovation, uh, people not being happy about things. You know, all that stuff is about keeping our ears to the ground. And I think we're finding new ways with technology mm -hmm. tools and things like that to continue to keep the company as small as it could ever be, despite um, the fact that you're much bigger. So defying the laws of physics and gravity mm -hmm. is probably the thing that we have to continue to do. And I think we've done that till, till now. And uh, I believe that with the kind of team that we've come to have, hopefully you've seen the same ever since you joined. Yeah, and I think also too, just keeping in mind that the IPO is one step in the journey, and I, I really do feel that that's very much true to the spirit of how people inside of Nutanix are thinking about it, that we have so much more to do in terms of really building this iconic company. And um, we, have, we have big aspirations, you know, we're through Act 1, we're on our way to Act 2, and there's, there's a lot for us to do. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you look back at, let's say, your last company or the company before that, Box, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was a high flyer mm -hmm. and they got ahead of themselves. I think we have to make sure that we stay grounded, you know, because there's a lot of things that we aspire to do, but we can't outmarket ourselves, you know. I think we have to figure out what it means to, like, you know, the recent Wall Street Journal ad that talks about AWS and VMware and Nutanix. And we'll get deeper into it, yeah. but mm -hmm. knowing what it means to know the attention to detail, you know, and understanding what is that gap between VMware and AWS is probably one of the most important things that we actually lose sleep on today. Mm -hmm. And it's that's about culture, you know, attention to detail and ambition are two things that actually define culture of any company. Um, it was interesting having done three of these now, or this is our third one, and seeing the difference in questions that are coming through. Um, before, I would say uh, there was always about, in terms of company, there was about 50-50 were questions about IPO versus are you going to be bought by another company. Um, there were very, very few 
questions. Are you going to be bought by Cisco or Dell or, or some of the other things? But there were a couple, and it wasn't so much about the partners themselves. They actually, both or a few of the conference were in terms of the customers. What do we, what, how, customers have to feel that we're going to be around for a while. So how do you address that? Um, you know, uh, again, going back to looking at the meta observations, how has the company innovated? How has the company uh, thought about the end users? How has the company invested in R&D and in sales and marketing? And you know, the, the small little things that matter, like Sizer, Capacity Planner, um, you know, Slack, things like that. You know, what are the various things that we've actually done? You know, our, uh, let's say our BV structure in Amsterdam, which is our international headquarters, things like that. We did this like four years ago, three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. All that was done not to eventually get sold. I mean, mm -hmm. all these things that we invest in, they cost a lot of money. They're not cheap, mm -hmm. actually, you know, in any way. And any company that is uh, trying to optimize for the short term would not be doing those things. Mm -hmm. They probably would just go and get some logos along the way uh, with no repeat business from those customers, you know, and then try to just market all this stuff to a suitor mm -hmm. and eventually get acquired, you mm -hmm. know. Um, you know, we are respectful of, let's say, VMware, but we also go and compete hard with them. You would not do this. I mean, today, how many of the hyper-converged players can actually go and say, we have an alternative to VMware? Mm -hmm. Zero, except for us, right? I mean, FlexPod, vBlock, VxRail, <coughs> VxRack, whatever you can think of, you know, every, everything out there, anything that's out there, actually will say, you still need VMware. And we are the only player that's saying, you know what, you probably can do without VMware. And that would not happen without ambition. Mm -hmm. And that would not happen without the respect for VMware as well, you know, because you need to really have that attention to detail about what did people love VMware for? And what do they not like it for that they love Amazon for? Mm -hmm. And you bring all that back into another company like Nutanix. Now we're talking. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, all I can say is that you know, there's no such thing as, or you'll never get acquired, but all you can see is what are you optimizing for, mm -hmm. short term or long term? Right. And if you're optimizing for the long term, then a lot of good things can happen uh, for the company itself, you know. I think we see that too in the, the recent NPS scores and the Omega awards that we've received, you know, so proud of from a customer satisfaction standpoint, in terms of optimizing for the long run, you know, three years in a row, that, that really shows the investment that we're mm -hmm. making to really take care of our Absolutely. customers. I mean, think about it. Support costs money. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, again, the startups who are actually quick to get acquired, they would never invest yeah. in support. Yeah. Because they don't care about repeat business. They yeah. don't care about that, you know, uh, end user delight yeah. in some sense, you know. So a lot of things that we're doing are investments, and they actually will only show results in the long term when we have large global 500, you know, global 2000 customers, repeat customers, when the SMB segment of the market and the mid market, lower end of the mid market, it feels like it's not disenfranchised. Because mm -hmm. many a time when you grow into a company that's become you know, all about the global 2000, you miss the attention to detail mm -hmm. about support and things like that. And, and we are thinking about a lot of those things. I mean, I stay awake for those things that, how do we not become a company with that kind of a support organization which has zero empathy for the SMB segment of the market or something, you know. How can technology help? How can we scale? And these things you don't do if all you're thinking about is getting acquired by someone else.
Uh, last question in this section, are you hiring? <laughs> uh, you know, absolutely, as you can see. I mean, I don't know if there's a way to pull up uh, the Nutanix jobs mm -hmm. uh, website, but uh, there's a ton of hiring going on. Uh, we, uh, and then we're hiring all around the world as well. Uh, the great thing is that uh, we've actually worked with our partners um, and we, you know, co-create jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, it's not just working for us, but uh, working with us, that's equally important. Like there are partners who are opening up dedicated positions mm -hmm. uh, within their you know, payroll mm -hmm. that will only sell Nutanix. Mm -hmm. And that's unique. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we see that on the OEM side too with Lenovo as well, right? Absolutely. I mean, and, I mean there's some big partners who do like a billion, two billion uh, dollars in, in business. And they're saying, we'll hire 30, 40 heads. Uh, you know, people who will actually go and sell mm -hmm. uh, Nutanix and Nutanix only. So that's another way of actually working with Nutanix. Um, and uh, I think between these two, we can actually create a lot of jobs. Yeah, that's great. All right, uh, we'll move on to the next section, which is vision and, and market. Um, and there are a lot <laughs> of questions about cloud and hyper-converged and, and that. And so can you just give a, a, a quick state of the union on what you see changing um, in terms of market and customer needs. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you go back to uh, anything that's, that's transformational, whether it was VMware 10 years ago or, you know, Microsoft 20 years ago, NetApp 15 years ago, um, you know, Amazon right now, uh, they all had to start somewhere. VMware started in test and dev. They said, you know, we'll do a pretty good job of test and dev. And then because of our ambition, we'll actually go and push the envelope on virtualization to the point where it is now in a lot of organizations, it's 80% virtualized. You know? And now in the public cloud, a hypervisor is not an end in itself. Mm -hmm. It's a means to an end. Nobody buys an entitlement to Zen or gets a certification in Zen because it's hidden. Mm -hmm. You don't pay for Zen, and you don't have to be an expert in Zen. Um, so I think hyperconvergence, even though two years ago it was an end in itself, or even a year ago it was an end in itself, now it's a means to an end. And uh, going forward, you know, it has to be like that. It's it's uh, mm -hmm. it's not a destination unto itself. You know, you actually want to make storage invisible, and a lot of companies actually are thinking like that. You know, yesterday Cisco announced, or whatever. In the next week, Cisco will announce something. You know, uh, Lenovo, IBM, uh, EMC, VMware. Everybody is now talking. Dell. Everybody is talking about how to get rid of the three-tier architecture. And uh, I think it's the beginning of that momentum, the end of the sand, as people call it, uh, that will just get better and better and better every year. Where it's not about boxes anymore, right? It's about a new consumption model. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, Amazon is going and talking about a new consumption model for computing. VMware talked about consuming servers with mm -hmm. two clicks. Mm -hmm. So when you change consumption models, it makes a, a lot of things disruptive, you know. So make, making storage invisible was a part of it, but absolutely we know that there's a lot more complexity in the data center, which is around the compute layer itself, you know hypervisors, operations management software, systems management software, tons of people in the data center that uh, need to actually elevate themselves and let software and machines do more with machine learning, artificial intelligence, 
truly invisible operations, you know, where you're not using a lot of people. Like, you know, simple things like rolling upgrades and adding machines and migrating storage and all that stuff should be imminently automated, you know. Mm -hmm. And then the final complexity, which is all arising as people try to go towards public cloud is, you know, you can't have silos, a private cloud and a public cloud. It has to be one. So I think the company's vision is obviously five years ago we said something that was bold and audacious and people laughed at us. You mm -hmm. know? A lot of the storage players, the next generation storage players, they said this is a science project because you know, there's two different buying centers, two different teams. Uh, just because it's been done in a Hadoop world or a Google world or a Facebook world doesn't mean it'll get done in the enterprise. Uh, so we were a laughing stock five years ago. <laughs> And uh, now, with every large vendor saying this is the architecture of the future, yeah. I don't know if you feel. Yeah, and I was going to say, what's exciting about that is having that credibility now over the past six years of this vision <clears throat> around hyperconvergence and where we want to take it next. Um, as we were testing feedback on on the ad that we just recently came out with that we're going to we'll share uh, shortly, it was it was great to hear both from people who weren't necessarily Nutanix customers, as well as those who were, in terms of if you can really be that bridge between what I need from my legacy investments in VMware and what I think I want from AWS, like that's just, that's just a huge home run. It takes out a lot of complexity, a lot of pain. To your point, some of these guys had actually already tried to move workloads to AWS, and we're just not experiencing the ease of one-click management. It's a whole new set of management tools for them. We're surprised at how not easy it was to move workloads back and forth and really trying to understand which workloads were appropriate for AWS. So there's, there's definitely um, a hunger right now in our customer base and even those who are still on the sidelines trying to figure out when they're ready to jump in yeah, yeah, and, and what we can do to solve that problem for them. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, just like VMware 10 years ago, 12 years ago, as I said, was a new consumption model. This idea of consuming computing like an e-commerce item mm -hmm like the way we used to buy mouthwashes and toothpastes and books, is mind-boggling. Mm -hmm. You know, you swiping a credit card to buy computing. Uh, and at the same time, when you look under the covers, Amazon has a lot of weaknesses. You know, like for example, EBS, Elastic Block Storage, will not run most of your apps today. Mm -hmm. So in some sense, we need to learn a lot about the public cloud around consumption models, credit card, e-commerce, self-service, uh, you know, getting people out of the way, because that's what developers mm -hmm. want, like no more people in my way. I want to go and consume things the way I want. And at the same time, the IT operators, the folks who carry the pager, you know, because in production when you're running something and you have SLAs around availability, performance, reliability, you know, how do you get an SAP to work in that environment, an Oracle, an Exchange, and all that stuff to really work in that environment uh, is the big challenge that you need to actually go and balance towards. So I think Amazon has a lot to learn in the next three, five years. We have a lot to learn in the next three, five years. I think uh, customers will actually need both sides of the equation, actually. And that's, that's actually, there was quite a few questions around that. Um, the pendulum is swinging, right, in terms of this, and a lot of, people think, oh, everything's going to go to the cloud. Do you think everything's going to go to the cloud? And Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the mob is the mob. At the end of the day, <laughs> uh, 15 years ago, everything was going to India because outsourcing was the only way you could save yourself. 
And then we realized that we had swung the pendulum too mm -hmm. much to this other side and quality <laughs> mattered and SLAs mattered. So people said onshore a lot of stuff. Like GM had totally outsourced uh, itself to EDS. Mm -hmm. And then they brought everything back two, three years ago because quality sucked big time. Mm -hmm. So Amazon is the new uh, sort of uh, reflection of outsourcing in some sense. That my teams are not good enough. My infrastructure is not good enough. Can I just outsource this? Mm -hmm. And then before long, you'd realize, you know, you can't just have it one way or the other. It has to be both. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And computing is going through the same kind of uh, consumption spectrum that housing has gone through in the last 50 years or, you know, automobiles have gone through in the last, mm -hmm. you know, 30 years. I mean, we used to only own houses and then we rented and leased and now we're doing Airbnb mm -hmm. and there's vacation rentals and all that stuff in the middle. You know, cars, we used to own cars and we started to lease cars and now we do like zip cars and Uber and all mm -hmm. this stuff and all with the click of a button. So I think that's <coughs> what computing is really going through. Yeah. Great. Um, we'll move into marketing. You have, we've actually shown it a couple okay, of times great. and you've brought up um, the ad that we recently did of what is what is Nutanix marketing doing to provide air cover? There's a lot of programs and mm -hmm. stuff that we push out through channel. Our salespeople are feet on the street every day singing the praises, but what are we doing as a corporation from, from an air cover perspective? Yeah, so I think uh, if, if, uh, if we've shared this is great. Uh, we've gotten so much amazing feedback, yeah. so hopefully everyone in the channel organization uh, is really enjoying what they're seeing here too. Yeah, you needed VMware, you want Amazon Web Services, you'll love Nutanix, and then the landing page is uh, Nutanix.com slash love. So this really tells our story. And I think for all of the partners, I, I would encourage you know everybody to to check it out, make sure you understand what this what this message is all about, because to Deirdre's point, you know, the, the market again is shifting and what customers need is that bridge between, you know, these two challenges that they face today and it's much bigger than just hyperconvergence, much bigger than just storage or compute. And so what you'll be seeing a lot from the marketing team is how do we help uh, deliver that message? How do we help create the air cover for the channel partner so it's much easier to go in and start having the conversation about the problem that the customer is having rather than having to step back and explain who Nutanix is, yeah. right? By the way, this is not easy. I mean, this, this thing is laughable one more time. Mm -hmm. It is like really, you guys, I mean, you know, yesterday or two days ago on Twitter, I saw one of our naysayers, who a lot of us follow as well. There's a ton of naysayers of Nutanix. <laughs> and one guy's like, I saw this ad and I almost threw up in my mouth. <laughs> no, that's pleasant. Right? Thank, you for, thank you for tweeting that. That's pleasant. Uh, but it gives us conviction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it gives us conviction. You know, our president, uh, Sudhish, uh, he actually responded back by saying, you know, you need the gripe water for that or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, it, it keeps us honest. Yeah. yeah. Because five, six years ago, People used mm. to throw up in their mouth for saying you can converge <laughs> compute and storage, yeah. Mm. Yeah. right? You know, for a company to actually go and say you can take this concept of distributed systems uh, and of consumer-grade design and bring it to the masses, where the masses is selling Cassandra and Zookeeper and, you know, all the stuff that you see on NutanixBible.com. It's not easy to be sold and shrunk-wrapped in a, an appliance and so on. I think it's time for people to laugh at us one more time. Because the more they laugh at us and the more they think we are a science project one more time, mm -hmm. the better it makes the company actually. And this ad is as much aspirational as it is a reality actually, right? Because we are now saying this is a vision for the company for the next five years. Mm -hmm. 
uh, we completely understand VMware. We truly understand VMware. And VMware has kept us honest too. I mean, mm -hmm. like uh, six, eight months ago, there was this thing at, on storagereview.com that says, oh, we actually, on a certain benchmark, we don't do as well. Mm. And, uh, you know, like most uh, humans, you know, we are also, as a company, we are human, so we are not without our follies. We actually said, you know, we don't want you to actually publish this because we haven't done our uh, job on this. But we went and did our job in the next four or five months on that one particular benchmark, you know, and, uh, you know, in 4.6, which is the most recent release, we are beating VMware big time on mm. performance itself. Now, all that this means is that we don't take our competitors lightly. And we don't take uh, incumbents lightly. You know, people are like, oh, you're a small little company, you'll get acquired, this, that, whatever. I think what we go and gain inspiration from, from some of these uh, companies like VMware and Amazon is, what can we do? And when we look at them and we learn from them, you know, how does it keep us honest as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So this ad is as much aspirational as it is uh, what we have actually stood for in the last five, six years itself, you know? Mm -hmm. I want the partners to actually say, this is the company that will take the goodness of VMware, because there was a lot of goodness mm -hmm. of VMware, and this e-commerce platform that Amazon is, and this company will actually bring them together. Enterprise awareness, mundaneness, understanding migration, showing them a path to what cloud should really be, and around ease of use and consumption and credit card processing and e-commerce way of looking at things. Is there one company in this world that can actually bring it together. We are one of them. I don't know if there are others like us, but we are as much passionate and, you know, sort of careful about data loss and availability and reliability and, you know, mundaneness around replacing a hard drive and things like that as about, uh, you know, what does it mean to really bring the one-click goodness mm -hmm. to everybody? And people hopefully are seeing some of this stuff. like. I don't know if there is a way to show this on the Slack comments that we got recently, uh, where one of our uh, channel partners actually mentioned, and if you should read that, you know, it says, uh, I checked twice already, like I'm waiting for a new Android release. <laughs> People are so uh, enamored by the consumer-grade nature of Nutanix that they're waiting with bated breath to see, you know, can we get the new release soon? And uh, on the right side, you'll see the same thing. Uh, around uh, how we have brought uh, delight to something as mundane as upgrades. Mm -hmm. When people don't know what it means to really upgrade uh, 20, 30, 40 nodes, can they go and sip a coffee and come yeah. back and it's all done? Yeah. yeah, it's so great to see that, yeah. So I think you know that's, that's where the real challenge and the real opportunity for this company mm -hmm. really is. Not just in marketing, but in product, in support, um, in sales, in everything around this. How do you really bridge the gap between what VMware stood for uh, and what Amazon stands for? And yeah, so there'll be a lot of air cover I was going to say, we've seen really, the ad in yeah. that. So what other kinds of things can yeah. partners look for? Yeah, so um, obviously uh, .next is coming mm -hmm. again. So we're going bigger, bolder than we did uh, last year. Last year, our target was somewhere between 500 and 700 uh, customers joining us, and we ended up with 962 and had to shut off registration. And <laughs> many uh, thanks mm -hmm. to our channel partners for helping to bring customers and prospects to that event. We're going bigger this year, so our target is 2,500 
Uh, and then, of course, we'll take that uh, into other locations. We're going to attach .now to it and really integrate .now into .next. So the Channel Partner Conference will be fully integrated with .next both in the U.S. in June, but also in EMEA in November, too. So I think it's a great opportunity for our partners to hear exactly what our customers are hearing in the main stage presentations and really participate in the sessions. And then we'll be on tour. Again, that's a huge uh, brand awareness campaign for us and a great um, lead pipe generation uh, campaign as well. And then there's some very targeted programs that, that your team is running, Michelle, in terms of helping partners market as well. So I don't know if you want to talk about what we're doing there. Absolutely. And just uh, a quick piece on the uh, road show. I think the target last year was 100 cities, and I think we did 130. We did 130. C cities, which is yes. crazy. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and from a marketing perspective, um, we're trying to make it as easy as one click as possible, and not one click at a marketing department necessarily, but all the way down to the individual salesperson that can easily take information and, and start to um, send out communications to their customers and then personally receive information back on their responses. So um, there's a lot of really great tools. Um, I am going to do a shameless plug here. Um, there is a webinar series that we have once a month. Once uh, One session is for technical, one session is for sales in general, and one session is for marketing. And uh, Joan Morales on the team runs those and does a great job. And um, it's it's great to hear the information and, and great to hear the feedback. There's a lot of really good feedback of those. So mm. um, they're run by those specific people. So marketing runs marketing um, and uh, sales. We get a lot of sales and, and product people on there. And then tech one, technical one is run by mm -hmm. a technical person as well. So you know, I'm also um, going to write a blog about uh, why practitioners should actually come to .next. You know, mm. uh, I think we are very passionate about, you know, simple things like uh, obviously the enterprise apps of the last 10, 15 years, but we're just as passionate about things like containers and, mm -hmm. you know, all flash and things like that. So, uh, and of course, you know, how do you really build a career around knowing about the public cloud itself? Mm -hmm. You know, because there's going to be a meld of both mm -hmm. and all our practitioners should know how to become the subject matter expert in all things hybrid. So uh, I'm going to write a blog, and hopefully in the next couple of days it's going to be live. So people should take that to their bosses <laughs> and convince them that they should actually come. Yeah, it's nice. great. I mean, it really is the only the only industry conference on the enterprise cloud. So it is a great opportunity for customers. Yeah, and I think some of the highlights is obviously we are working the whole body. Again, we are not just nerds here, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, we're not just people who are passionate about design. Uh, so there's a, a great. Uh, uh, I would say a very experienced uh, person who actually built stuff at uh, Apple and at Pinterest, uh, Bob. Bob uh, Axley. Mm -hmm. Axley was actually yep. going to be there. Uh, Bob Gates is going to talk about leadership and what does it really mean to cut through bureaucracy in organizations. So CIOs of large organizations would love to hear from him. Um, Mark Leslie is going to talk about the uh, arc of life, the highs and lows of what it means to uh, go through innovation and, and disruption cycles and so on. It's like a TED talk kind of thing and so on. And uh, there's a ton of really good CIOs out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about our CIO roster joining us. So NASDAQ, for example, will have heads of infrastructure and VPs across a number of different companies. Kellogg's, for example, uh, tractor supply company, Amgen, Toyota. So it's a great opportunity for prospects to hear what their peers are doing for customers to share information and hearing from some of the, the thought leaders and innovators in the space. Yeah. And in all these, uh, I would say, logos and all these customers are actually showing up, we're probably as small as what Amazon is in mm -hmm. terms of spend. But 
I think what they'll come and talk about is what do they covet about Amazon? Mm-hmm. And what do they covet about, you know, Nutanix? And how together they're actually going and helping transform their overall businesses, you know. And and one of them is coming from the rebellion from the developers. And the other one, we are trying to create a rebellion from the IT operators. Because they also need their cloud. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we have to figure out how to actually drag and drop across the two worlds. Which is this whole idea of app mobility that uh, is going to be the V-Motion of the next decade, I think. You know, the world pays for mobility. You know, V-Motion mm-hmm. was a $50 billion feature. Right? I mean, cell phone portability, the number portability of cell phones is what made cell phones mm-hmm. so popular, actually. You know? I think uh, our ability to go and drag and drop things between the, uh, the developer world and the IT operator world is probably going to be what people will see a lot of innovation around at this dot next and in the future as well. That's great. Um, next topic, uh, OEMs. And probably out of all of the questions other than IPO, this is one of the, the top ones that we got. And the number one questions are around OEM is, would you please comment, I'm going to read it, would you please comment on the Dell EMC merger? Do you see it impacting your business and the future uh, go-to-sales and go-to-market strategies? Yeah, I mean, you know, I have a philosophical take on this because obviously nobody has seen the future if only... Mm. Uh, We'd have a crystal ball and we'd look at everything <laughs> like that. If only. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be nice. But like all things in life, all we can look at is the meta stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So at a meta level, I look at it from like, do the consumer companies care about cooperation as much? In fact, they compete with themselves all the time. I mean, if you go to Amazon.com, not to the computing side, but the e-commerce side, uh, when you search for something it shows an item that they carry in their warehouse that they can fulfill from their warehouse. And there's like tons of other partners who actually carry the same item, Mm -hmm. which could be cheaper than Amazon. And Amazon Mm -hmm. might not even sell it, but they'll still make money off of it. Mm -hmm. Because at that level, Amazon is a platform. It's a recommendation engine which has made, and the partners have made it even more popular, you know, as opposed to losing all that business to eBay and others, Walmart.com, they're like, you know, let all of them come to my platform. And because they trust the recommendation part of it, they'll still buy from Amazon.com. Whether they fulfill, mm-hmm. they're fulfilled by my warehouse mm-hmm. is actually a second order thing. Actually, you know, you know, same thing with the App Store concept in, in Apple. At the end of the day, Apple makes apps, uh, and they compete head-on with a lot of their uh, app developers, like Apple Maps and Google Maps, Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, you know, Keynote numbers, all this stuff, and Microsoft Office, uh, PowerPoint, and all that stuff. The only way you can become a platform company is when you know how to healthily compete with your own partners. And that is what keeps you honest as well. I mean, uh, I think at some level in the enterprise, we try to look at everything as a zero-sum game. Dell becomes a true platform company when it knows how to compete with itself. Mm-hmm. You know, And uh, if it becomes a true recommendation engine, where you can just go and say, tell me what uh, what different things that you actually have, and I'll figure out which one really works for me. And then they have to be the best to understand about different technologies, actually. Yeah. you know. Now, um, at the end of the day, uh, what you know Dell does is going to be a question of the culture in Austin and the culture in Hopkinton, because it's really oil and water in mm. some sense, you know, two different companies. Dell has always been about being a recommendation engine to its customers. Hopkinton has been about its own brand. It's like 
my brand, mm -hmm. me, myself, everything about mm -hmm. my brand and so on. And I think the two cultures will need a lot of work to come together. Not just from headquarters point of view, from the leadership point of view, but also from the point of view of knowing that at the end of it all, it's a hundred plus billion dollar market and we have to coexist. Dell sellers and EMC sellers have to know how to come together because EMC sellers look at themselves as like they own the account. Well, the Dell sellers are like, what are you talking about? I've been selling servers and PCs in this business for a mm -hmm. long, long time. You know, people laughed at us uh, or were cynical of our partnerships with CDW and with Dell and others. Like, they can't sell something this complex. Mm -hmm. It requires an EMC-like seller to go and do this. And at the end of it all, we said, look, you know, computing is going to e-commerce and credit card processing where there's no people involved. What makes you think that CDW can't sell this stuff or Dell sellers can't sell this stuff? If it's that simple and you make the experience actually that good, you don't need a master's degree to understand SANS and fiber channel and brocade and this and that. That, that whole complexity is gone. And as long as they know how to migrate stuff from something else, we can really have a lot of our CDW sellers go and sell this really well without knowing you know, all the details of Cisco and Brocade and EMC mm -hmm. and things like that. So I think uh, the onus is on us one more time to trust our Dell sellers to go and say they'll do a really good job of it going forward as well. And then let they be the grassroots strength that we need to keep you know, Austin and Hopkinton actually honest about this. Yeah, and we're seeing some great traction. I think, you know, it's always interesting when there's this market FUD, but then the reality mm -hmm. and the numbers are really speaking for themselves. And I know we probably can't go into a lot of numbers given where we are with our, with our S1 and so forth, but um, just tremendous amount of new logos that have come in over the last quarter from Dell and Nutanix working together. Strong momentum on the vertical side. Uh, we were just at FRS. Uh, there's a 26-city roadshow that's about to start with Dell in EMEA, and um, I know Sammy in particular was, was just talking at our mid-year SCO, who heads up Central Europe, was just, you know, really, really raving about the partnership that he has with Dell. And similarly, what we're seeing on the Lenovo side, a thousand certified uh, sellers, you know, in just a short time frame, um, very strong traction from a marketing perspective. So I think that there's clearly strong demand out there. Customers see the benefits of both companies coming together. And it, it will be interesting to see how this plays out over the next year. But the, the business is really strong and, and we're seeing yeah. that. And I think people underestimate the, the power of the grassroots. Yeah. The grassroots Dell seller is actually gonna keep everybody honest. And if we do right by them in the way we build our product and how honest our support is, because all they care for, if I were to understand it right, is delightful products that retire my quota fast and helps me get into acceleration. Mm -hmm. That is the core of all things selling. Mm -hmm. Independent of what corporates and honchos sitting in you know, headquarters are making some mm -hmm. decisions on, Eventually what matters is, is this an honest product and does it have an honest support attached to it? Mm -hmm. So that I can keep selling more and more to the same accounts and it's friction free, right? right? And do I keep the trust of my customers? Exactly, right? I mean, that's what I really mean by yeah. saying it's friction free. Yeah. Now, if Dell and Nutanix were to part ways sometime in the future, it's not because of Dell, not because of Austin or Hopkinton, it's because we at Nutanix didn't do jo our jobs well 
in really staying close to the ground, to the sellers who actually go and really move the needle. And if we are humbler and more honest than their EMC counterparts, they'll actually work with us closer than with worrying about VX Rail and this and that. And look, if our products are only tad better than VX Rail, then we deserve to be beaten, <laughs> right? We deserve for Dell to drop us, right? Mm -hmm. We have to stay two to three years ahead of the competition. And only then can we actually say that we deserve the right to actually be resold and OEM by Dell itself. Otherwise, I think it's, it's okay for us not to have that relationship because Dell is like, look, I found a good enough alternative and I own 28% of that company. Why should I not keep selling that stuff, actually? You know? So it keeps us honest. And uh, I feel that we can look within and say we are not doing a good enough job as opposed to saying Dell pulled off something. Mm -hmm. yeah. That makes sense. So um, you brought up a couple different things there. Um, a lot of questions around, are we looking at other OEMs, Cisco, HP, other, other folks, do you care to comment on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, for now we are focused on Dell and Lenovo. I mean, Lenovo is a big undertaking. Mm -hmm. uh, I am extremely pleased with, with the decision we took like six months ago to walk away from another OEM and said we'll pick Lenovo over that other OEM. Uh, I think it would have been day and night difference in terms of the promptness, the hunger, the humility uh, that Lenovo actually brings to the table. I mean, they have a clean slate. Yeah, mm -hmm. they have conflicts, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing yeah. to worry yeah. about, right? And they're saying, if it's that simple, I will go and disrupt every incumbent that's out there. You know, mm -hmm. very similar to what Amazon is saying about incumbents. Like, you know what? I've made it so simple to go and consume computing that I don't have you, uh, to have you go and uh, really worry about EMC's last 20 years of innovation or VMware's last 15 years of innovation. So Lenovo has a clean slate. They're actually doubling down on our uh, hypervisor and the way, I mean, again, we don't sell a hypervisor, you know, mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in a separate line item. But there's a lot of goodness that Lenovo brings to the table that uh, we are also learning a lot from. You know, like, what does it mean to get a sales force that knew really well how to sell servers mm -hmm. uh, and have them not go through immense amount of training around the SAN and, and the, the old world mm -hmm. and instead say, look, all that stuff is abstracted or it's invisible to you. Mm -hmm. Just figure out how to talk the application language, the SQL Server, the Oracle, the VDI, the Splunk, and so on. And they're pretty good at the application stuff, you know. You'd be surprised. So I think, you know, it's... It's going to be a lot of good hard work in the coming 12, 18 months to really figure out how to do these two well. And then probably we'll have to go and do some regional OEMs at the very least, you know, where, uh, you know, for Japan or Germany and things like that. Uh, you know, future stuff, uh, we would rather not over-promise uh, and under-deliver. I think we should just, you know, make sure that we've done a pretty good job with these two. Look, uh, we walked away from Cisco because we said we need to keep... Uh, our Dell relationship really well, right? I mean, all the rumors of, oh, Cisco wants to acquire. Yeah, Cisco wanted to actually partner with a company that they could go and acquire, and we said, no way. I mean, at the end of the day, we have all this good relationship with the existing, uh, you know, partner, and we stand by our current relationships, you know, in a big way. So once we do a good job of Dell and Lenovo, then uh, if we think that the market has become big enough, I think we'll go and go and do another OEM. It's very early days to actually speculate on the third one yet. Um, along the lines, uh, again, to your point, back to the feet on the street, we've seen an incredible 
swell of interest from Lenovo. Um, you mentioned earlier, Julie, about the um, certifications. Yeah. We have a brand new sales academy that we launched in uh, November. Um, and it, we've had an amazing uh, outpour from the Lenovo teams. And so we've got over 2,000 certifications to date. Um, and, you know, a good portion of those are Lenovo. So um, great, great response. And um, again, I'll do a shameless plug here uh, for the Academy. But the Academy, we absolutely changed up the way that we're teaching um, our folks were leveraging our own internal content for our partners from a sales perspective, and it's delivered by our salespeople. So it's from a salesperson to a salesperson. So if, uh, if you're in the audience out there and you're in sales and you haven't checked it out, please check out the Academy. But um, back to Lenovo, they've done a fantastic job of just absolutely adopting, mm -hmm. adopting that. Um, I'm going to keep moving here from, you brought up uh, competitive a little bit. Um, there was a lot of questions on VxRail, vSAN, and the Cisco, potential Cisco announcements and comments and everything else. Um, what do you think are the top two competitors and, and why? And, mm. and not so much maybe why as more as what are you going to do or what are we going to do to keep mm. out in front of these guys? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, people <laughs> ask me, uh, what makes you think you won't be another BlackBerry, mm -hmm. right? You know, yeah, they were first in the market and they really understood the pulse of uh, bringing email to the palm, mm -hmm. right? And they had a few apps running, you know, it's not like you couldn't play a game or you couldn't browse the web in a BlackBerry. Uh, and what makes you think that you can actually be like another long lasting iconic company? Um, in this space, I mean, there's no guarantees here. You know, at the end mm -hmm. of the day, uh, when we are getting commoditized, uh, it's really a signal from the market that this market is big. Mm -hmm. Look, if the incumbents jo don't jump mm -hmm. on a certain market or new architecture, it actually means it's a small market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. validation, right? yeah. absolutely validation yeah. to the market. And, and and more than that, it's like you know without they educating the market, the three tier is actually gonna last here a little bit longer than we wanted it to. Mm -hmm. We want the three tier to obliterate. We want the V blocks to vanish. We want the flex pods mm -hmm. to vanish, right? And that'll create uh, a lot of dollars to be displaced here, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Android and iOS fought with each other, but they sucked the wind out of the PC, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. the way you look at it. So. What's the PC analogy in this world? It's the three tier. It's the SAN, it's the brocade, it's uh, SAN and all that stuff that really adds up, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out what it means to go and keep pushing the envelope in the market itself. It's what virtualization was like 10 years ago and, and VMware as a leader in this category went on and just kept getting, uh, pushing the envelope on what virtualization could do. Now there's a lot of companies that said we are also like that, like Zen server said, oh, we are like VMware and uh, the analysts in Wall Street thought that it was like that and it was not to be mm -hmm. because the attention to detail was missing that VMware had uh, on technology and, and, and using and ease of use and you know uh, applications and things like that. So. There's a lot of new players, and I think that means good for this market. It's healthy for this market. There'll be less friction uh, in, in the marketplace because everybody's going and talking the same language. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would rather commoditize ourselves than actually be a niche in a space which is only a billion dollar time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we were talking, I think it was yesterday, about Apple and how they weren't afraid to 
cannibalize some of their own lines of business, right, to keep innovating and stay mm -hmm. ahead, right? Absolutely. So would Absolutely. you rather take it from yourself or have, have one of your competitors take it away from Absolutely. you? I mean, like, look, uh, in some sense, uh, we compete with ourselves. Like Dell and Lenovo compete with us because we have an NX mm -hmm. model as well. Mm -hmm. And we could have looked at just like, oh, this is a zero sum mm -hmm. game. The glass is half empty. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to give this business to Dell and Lenovo? We said, if we don't cannibalize ourselves and compete with ourselves, someone else will. Yeah. Like, look, a, an iPhone competed with an iPod, right? I mean, an iPad mini competed with the uh, uh, iPhone. And now an iPhone 6 Plus competes with an iPad mini, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, that you need to keep doing every two, three years, which goes and says, look, that's commodity now. Let's move on to the next thing, right? And you cannibalize yourself, you compete with yourself. And that's what we need to keep doing to not be a Blackberry, actually. Well, I think back to your analogy uh, or your comments around um, Amazon, though, is they have found ways to make money and, and do business off of the competition with themselves. And so I think it's the same you know, again, applies absolutely right here as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, the fact that a book company could now be uh, a challenger in the space of computing yeah. Yeah. just goes on to say two things about that company, ambition and attention to detail. Mm -hmm. You know, they have done a pretty good job of attention to detail that most of the incumbents are like flying high. They're like, oh, my Wall Street stock, this, that, whatever. When Jeff is like, you know, who cares about Wall Street stock? Mm -hmm. It'll happen. And if we do a good job with Main Street and our customers, yeah. Wall Street will take care of itself. It's that connection to the customer, understanding the any Absolutely. pieces of the customer and what they want, how they want to consume, and yep. everything else. Um, I'm going to move on to roadmap and products. A lot of questions there. Um, we just launched Vordox 6, which you talked to about earlier. Um, and um, I know there's probably not a ton that we can share on roadmap, but what do you, is there a couple comments that you want to talk about for 4.6 yeah, or where yeah. we are with the product? Um, I mean, look, uh, at, at a very high level, uh, obviously, AHV needs to be more invisible. Mm -hmm. You know, our hypervisor needs to be more invisible. Uh, and we're working really hard to figure out what that means. Uh, learning a lot from uh, AWS and Zen mm -hmm. and what they did with APIs and service first and so on. We need to do a lot of that stuff where you don't have to be an expert in AHV uh, to really go and sell um, the notion of an enterprise cloud, right? Uh, so there's a lot of innovation there happening in networking, security, things like that within AHV itself. Uh, there's a lot of work that we're doing with app mobility, uh, drag and drop. You know, I call it the V-motion of the next decade. Uh, and it's not easy. This is a five-year journey. Like, what does mm -hmm. it mean to really drag and drop from physical to virtual, physical to cloud, virtual to cloud? You know, VMware to AHV, AHV back to VMware. And I mean, we have to build technologies that make it easy for people to move out of Nutanix into something else as well, not just into mm -hmm. Nutanix, actually, because that's what keeps us honest, actually. Mm -hmm. you know? So there's a lot of work going on in app mobility. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are thinking service first, API first, you know, credit card first. What does it mean to actually think of a self-service portal, for example, uh, where it's not like the, you know, junk that we've seen from B2B companies in the last 15 years and what self-service means. Not even like the junk of OpenStack, but uh, think like an e-commerce company. You know, how would they do self-service differently and so on? You know? So a lot of work going on in that space of think like an e-commerce company than anything else. You know? uh, but yeah, I think uh, obviously uh, the innovation of the last five years needs to go on to new form factors, new use cases, new applications, new workloads, and so on. Um, 
there'll be some good surprising announcements coming in four dot uh, sorry in uh, at dot next so love for people <laughs> to be there and see really you could do this with that software as well and and kind of stuff because that's about going and mining our own exhaust right like mm -hmm. how do you take this piece of software mm -hmm. and and say really you can use it for that and you can use it for that as yeah. well and so on um and if you might make any comments or no, that's, that's great. <laughs> There's a lot of there are a lot of questions um, uh, around uh, three node minimums and price points for SMB and a lot of challenges that our partners um, are facing around that. Do you yeah, and strategy yeah, for that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I keep saying this that VMware became VMware because it was also in the SMB, mm -hmm. right? Six hundred thousand customers. Amazon is going to become Amazon because it has a million customers. You can't be a platform company without also catering well to the SMB. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's an important realization we have. And right now we have, you know, uh, a little over 2,000 plus customers and so on. If you get, need to get to 10,000, 20,000, and with the help of the OEMs, we need to go and achieve this actually, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, so a lot of good thought going on in this space of pricing, packaging. All I'll say is that I think the competition underestimates us on our ability to package and price for the SMB. You know, and uh, they haven't seen it all. So a lot of good stuff uh, that... Uh, Foreshadowing. And, and, and we, have to, we have to commoditize ourselves because that means the market becomes bigger the friction at, at the base of the pyramid in the SMB world needs to be zero touch. You know, mm -hmm. How can you do it zero touch and so on? We're not there yet. We still are considered to be a premium product, uh, which is not bad because, I mean, we invest in R&D. We are looking at you know, how we need to go and really uh, rethink the idea of an enterprise cloud. Uh, but if we can take this premium brand and make it delightful for the SMBs and the lower and the mid market, I think it makes for a bigger, better company than just being a niche play in the enterprise itself. You know. Well, an SMB grows up, right? Yeah, so if absolutely. you get the technology in there absolutely. when they're smaller and they're used to it, then they grow yeah, up. It's and, the growth and engine. Look, I yeah. mean, the way I look at it is that uh, that if you want to be a company that's delivering a billion, two billion dollars of revenue, then the machine has to hum, which and the machinery is all SMB and mid market mm -hmm. and the channel. Mm -hmm. If that thing is not humming, then you'll be unpredictable in terms of the business. Mm -hmm. And then the enterprise, the global 2000, you can go and crush your numbers, but you can't make your numbers from the enterprise. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. the predictability of the business machinery is about the lower half of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you are ubiquitous, you're everywhere, and it just quietly hums. I think yeah. the great news, you know, where we have a bit of a head start, which is exciting, is around all of the one-click ease of use, which is so important to SMB. So then it becomes mm -hmm. a pricing packaging exercise primarily if you've solved some of those complexity pain points yeah. that yeah. tend to be problematic for companies that start large enterprise with command line mm -hmm. interfaces and um, they're not thinking through some of those simplistic things that need to happen when you've got a very small IT staff. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, it's not going to be an easy problem. You know, mm -hmm. many companies try to go down market mm -hmm. and they fail miserably. Mm -hmm. I think it's not just about technology and product. It's also about support. It's also about the sales motion. It's about incentives, about can we create a win-win with the OEMs and the mm -hmm. channel and things like that. So there's a lot that we need to think about DMRs like SHI and CDW and so on. There's a lot that we need to do, which is 
architectural, requires a lot of business design and organizational design, not just product design itself. Mm -hmm. you know. So I'm not saying that we'll actually crush it. All I can say is that we understand the complexity of the problem and we know that we have to get there because without being in the base of the pyramid, in the middle of the pyramid, we can't be a platform company. We have a couple more minutes, so I want to give you guys an opportunity to, to provide any final thoughts uh, for the audience out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, for me, uh, you know, Sunil, who's our uh, chief product officer, development officer, he closed a lot of the sales kickoffs, the mid-year sales kickoffs <laughs> that we had, like in the last three weeks, uh, with something that was very powerful, uh, and yet very uh, sort of, you know, it has levity built in, like mm -hmm. some amount of frivolousness. He, uh, and he basically said, look, we have a great thing going here to, this, to our own internal mm -hmm. employees, the salespeople and the marketing folks and so on, and the BD and Alliance guys. We have a great thing going, don't fuck it up. And uh, to me, I say this to myself, mm -hmm. like, you know, we have a good thing going mm -hmm. in this company and with the channel, uh, with a lot of stuff that we do with our channel partners and so on, we've tried to make it a win-win and uh, to myself, I say, don't fuck it up, mm. you know. And uh, this is actually, this comes with the burden of responsibility, you know. And uh, to keep the ears on the ground, to understand the pulse of the market, to endear ourselves to the Dell sellers, the Lenovo sellers, the CDW sellers, the, the small partners like B Arena in Australia, uh, to VIFX, to, I mean, there's a ton of small partners done some great mm -hmm. things with us, actually, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Japan is lighting up like there's no tomorrow. And you know, Germany is looking up. So there's a lot of small little partners that are doing great stuff for us. So we need to keep our pulse to, you know, understand the pulse of the market, you know, keep our ears to the ground and uh, not fuck it up. <laughs> That's so hard to top. I don't even know how I'm going to go there. <laughs> but I would just say, you know, uh, I would implore the partners to help us with that charter, right? It's so yeah. important for us to be listening and to be hearing what we could be doing better to support them, to support their customers. So help us with that ambitious charter <laughs> would, be, would be the way that I sum it up. And um, please make sure that you understand uh, the enterprise cloud message because that really is a message we want to be propagating in the market. And it's, it's resonating really, really well. Take us into our yeah. next act. Great. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you both very much for being here. Thank you for your candor and, uh, and uh, as always, just the openness and transparency that is definitely part of the culture of the company. Thank you very much to everybody who has joined us out there. Um, again, this has been recorded, so if you want to share it um, or go back and look at something else, feel free to do so. Um, and until next time, as always, thank you for everything you do to support the company, and uh, we will talk to you soon. So thanks very much for, for joining us today. Thank thanks. you. Thanks. thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow Nutanix on Twitter for the latest news and announcements. Connect with us on the Next community at next.nutanix.com. Check out the community blogs and consider joining one of our new user groups. So with that, enjoy the week and see you next time.